moving really oh there we go hello everyone <laughs> welcome to wine women and words i am michelle and of course with me is diana hello and for the first time in a while it's actually just the two of us tonight it's been yeah. a long time i feel like it has been we haven't had one on our own since february and really this wasn't supposed to happen um we weren't um scheduled to be on our own otherwise we wouldn't necessarily have done the bonus episode on tuesday um but we were supposed to have uh author beverly jenkins on the show with us um if the, for those of you who aren't familiar with her she is an african-american historical fiction author and she's trying to get a movie up off the ground and she just let out got a book out um it went out on tuesday and unfortunately as i said she had a book out on tuesday and release week is hell for authors which i totally don't blame her for and i didn't realize her release was this week i thought it was last week oh dang so, so she's busy yeah yeah her brain is just mush and so we're gonna reschedule her for another night uh she had to cancel and send her love uh, but we're gonna get her on the show at a later time but with the last minute cancellation, that means that it's just Michelle and I, which is good because we get to actually just spend the time uh, chatting, chatting about some stuff we have coming up and spending most of our time talking about the lost season of Love and Snow. I'm totally okay with that. And if I like duck off screen for those of you watching the YouTube video um, and mute my, my microphone, it's because I'm blowing my nose. Is that because I'm hiding from you guys? So, no, it's really because she's snorting crack. Don't say that. <laughs> Michelle's developed a drug habit here on Wine Women at Words. Wine I is no longer strong enough for her. I, I don't like, I, I think I caught a cold or I have a sinus thing going and it kind of just took me out in the last hour. My poor nose is, is all raw from from blowing it so much which sounds weird but so that's what's happening and this it's, is water it's, it's too crack. It's, oh. Michelle you gotta lay off the crack I know I'm not really you guys know that but anyway <laughs> Diana was um, now you're like no no really I'm not I'm really I'm not <laughs> okay, um, Michelle, we accept you for who you are no judgment <laughs> um a few, I forget how long, like a month ago, I think, we had um, a guest on the show um, by the name of Ezina. Mm -hmm. And if you've watched our show regularly, you probably remember her. And Diana actually went on her show last night. I did. It was, um, we recorded Guitar Goddess, and it actually airs next week. So you guys can check it out. Of course, I, you know, name drop for one, Women in Words, um, as I should. And because this podcast is, as we determined on Tuesday, is our love child, <laughs> <laughs> our bastard love child. Um, so sh while I was on there, we played this really fun game, which I think I am going to copy and steal now from her show. And Azina is so sharing and giving that I don't think she'll mind. So we're going to play it tonight. And I'm going to ask this of Michelle. I'm so, okay with that. Yeah, it's called Past, Present, Future. Now you get to pick one of the categories and I ask you a question based on said category. 
Okay. And it's going to um, be book related because, you know, this is Wine Women Awards. Right. Yes. Um, I'll do past. Okay. What author had the most influence on you growing up? As a writer or as a reader? I would say both because, I mean, writer and reader, they go along together. Um, hmm. Okay, well, I guess reader, this is going to sound really weird. Um, reader, oh, why can't I remember her name? There was a series, I'm going to look it up while I tell you guys. I moved to Switzerland uh, with my family when I was 11. Uh, when I was 11. And at the time, so you, know, you moved, moved to Switzerland and knew absolutely no one there. Even though my dad's from there, we were moved to a different place where his family wasn't living. And even if we had lived close to them, I didn't know them. So I wasn't close to them. Um, and basically my mom and I would wait every night to, for the time difference, to call California and cry to our friends and tell them <laughs> how much we missed them all in like the first month that we lived there. And we were still waiting for our books, our, our books, our boxes, our furniture and everything to be shipped over. So all we had was whatever we packed in our suitcases. And of course, I packed uh, as many books as I possibly could stick in my suitcase. And the books that I was reading, here it is. Um, the books that I was reading at the time is a series called Thoroughbred. And it was about this family that lived on uh, a, a thoroughbred farm. They, they raced their horses and they're all into like jockeys and mm. horse racing and breeding and everything. And for some reason, this is going to sound dumb, but when I finished the last book that I had with me, I started getting homesick for the characters. Aww. Like I would, I would be out reading or uh, doing something on whatever, and something would remind me of whatever was happening in the story, and I would get homesick for the the book, which is Aww. weird. But that series kind of helped me during the transition of living in a new country. So I guess that's the book that had the biggest influence on me as a reader because it helped those books helped me through that time, which was pretty challenging. Um, as a writer, I don't, I don't know. Um, it kind of depends on what, what I'm writing, but um, Emily Giffen helped. Uh, she has a, a style of writing and she can capture a character's voice very well writing from the first person and I used to always think writing in the first person was ridiculous like I hated doing it I as a writer I couldn't do it because I couldn't write I I I I I and not write from me I did I couldn't you know I couldn't disconnect myself from what I was writing but I really admire her style of writing and being able to create such unique voices from the first person because all of her characters are from the first person. Um, but there are so many other writers that I admire and that I'll read something and go, oh, I love that sentence. <clears throat> or I love that description. Or, I love, you know, I'll, I'll save like a phrase and be like, I want to remember that. But she's probably the biggest influence 
as a writer, I would say. And I got to meet her and I totally fangirled hardcore. <laughs> it was awesome. It, it's, it wouldn't be the first time because there's been multiple times you guys have seen me fangirl. So I, I feel you when it comes to fangirling over an author. And she replied to one of my comments on Instagram one time and said that I was funny and she could hang out with me. And I was like, oh my God, yes, please. Yes, let's make that happen. How about next week? I'm free next Friday. Right? <laughs> whatever you want, I will make myself free. I will drop all of my friends and family just for you. <laughs> I would too, and they would understand, I feel like. I totally would. I, I totally would understand as well. So are, are we doing... Well, I don't know what the questions are, so I can't ask the questions for you, past, no. present, and future. Yeah, so we're going to do your past, present, future, then you can do my past, present, future. Okay. All right. And you don't necessarily have to do the same questions I'm asking you. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, because uh, I love the idea of it being like ad lib, so you don't know what they oh. are. Yeah. So, okay, so now you have to choose between present and future. Um. Well, let's just go in chronological order. Let's do okay. present. present. Okay, with the exception of our book of the month, what book have you read recently and or currently that you really enjoy? I read XXVXY, which is by Christine Sagala, and she joined yeah, us um, a few weeks ago yeah. to talk but about the book. Oh, yeah, she was on our first episode of the month. And... Uh, that book kind of blew my mind. Like it was amazing. And she definitely set it up for, that there can be a sequel and there needs to be a sequel. Like <laughs> as soon as humanly possible, this is not a book that she can just be like, and done. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's all you get. Yeah. Um, it is so timely. It is so possible. Like what, what, the and you know when we interviewed her she said that two books that really influence her as a writer are wrinkle in time and um the handmaid's tale and there are so many things and knowing that and and knowing to kind of look out for that i could pick up on the influences for from both stories but i mean it it was it was such a crazy concept and, and the <clears throat> but I mean for as crazy as it was totally possible like I I would not I wouldn't put it beyond the realm of possibility mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so that that's a, a book that I read I read it probably in a week which is really unusual for me yeah um, that's how you know it's really good because you, you literally couldn't put it down. You probably read it every opportunity that you had. Every I did. time the kid turned its back on you, you picked up your book and read it. It was, it really, it took me by surprise. Not that I wasn't expecting it to be good, but I wasn't expecting to be sucked into it as quickly as I was. Mm -hmm. um, and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, so future. Yes, go. All right. So besides a project that you are working on right now, if you could write about anything out there, any person, place, thing, subject, matter, what would it be? Everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there are a couple ideas 
that I have that are just kind of like floating around. And they're like, you know, when in cartoons, when someone gets knocked out, you see the birds flying around their heads, like mm -hmm. tweeting. That's, that's how my ideas are right now. But um, one of them is based on this book that I just got today. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. I saw that you got that today. It's so cool. You guys. So. And she told me about this idea before, and it's a really cool idea that is very Michelle. Um, I think any book that Michelle does should be have some sort of thriller aspect to it because she loves thriller. She can do the thriller. She studies thriller for Christ's sake. When you look at the authors, come on, who do thrillers, she's like, okay, so tell me how you wrote this and how do you, how did you <laughs> pieces in like this? It's she's picking their brain so that she could write her future book, whether she's realizing this or not. It's all part of my master plan. It, um, is, it really is. And I don't know exactly what the storyline is going to be uh, yet, um, but this this actually happened and well okay we don't know if it actually happened but, but theoretically it happened theoretically. allegedly it happened allegedly allegedly oh, allegedly mm -hmm. unfortunately we cannot prove it happened just but... like allegedly my husband ate all my girl scout cookies allegedly <laughs> i cannot prove that this happened but I know my Girl Scout cookies are gone, and I did not eat them all, and he is the only other person in the house. It's not looking good. No, no, it's not. But it's all circumstantial evidence, so you cannot Exactly. Exactly. Cannot it's a very similar situation with your story. Okay, so, carry on. Go on. But I'll tell you guys what it's based on. Not, not my idea, because I don't know what my idea is, but this book right here. It's called An Adventure, and it was written by, I don't know what that middle word, C-A-E Moberly, which is a pen name. It was in the early 1900s, 1800s, I forget when, but these two women, scholars, highly respected in England. One was the dean of a woman's college, and this other one was her assistant, both very well educated, both very well respected in the uh, scholastic, no, not so, in the scholar community in England. They go to Paris and they go to the Palace of Versailles to do a tour. And all of a sudden, they're walking through the gardens and they notice, like, and they don't talk to each other about it, but they both separately observe that things are kind of a little weird, like the the trees, like all the leaves, you know, everything just stops moving. And they start seeing people dressed in, um, when was the, when was the French Revolution? I know I'm supposed to know this. 1700s. Okay. In... 1700 French clothing and fashion and they start thinking well you know maybe there's an event going on or like a costume thing and then they see this woman and think that it's Marie Antoinette so basically they both separately without talking about it as it's happening then they leave and they get on the train to go home and they talk about it and they compare notes and they are convinced that they stumble through this time loop and time travel back to 1700s and see Marie Antoinette 
in Versailles. So much so, they are so sure that it happened that they wrote this book to tell everyone about what happened, but they wrote under a pen name because they knew that their reputations would be ruined if they told everyone that this happened to them. So that's kind of the basis of, I, I have no clue what's gonna happen, no idea, but I bought this book because I thought that was an awesome story, so I wanna read it. It sounds like such a great like um, basis for a thriller, whether you use, the characters that are in there or you make something up based <clears throat> from that and it's just such a cool idea like the possibilities are endless they are they are so and I mean, the, po the popularity of things like outlander that would be such a cool right a very outlander yeah i mean i have to do a lot of research on marie antoinette i mean really all i know about her is she had crazy hair and she said let them eat cake and Which was kind of like uh, what Tina Fey did to um, Sarah Palin. It wasn't actually something that she had said. So, I mean, you and you, it, oh my God, you're going to have to do research. Your world is ruined. You love research. So, and, I mean, I might have to go to Paris to might. go to Versailles and go to where they walked through exactly. because maybe there's a time loop there, guys. Like, yeah. yeah. And I'm totally you gonna have to check it out. Because if you end up in 18th century France, I need to be in 18th century France with you. <laughs> because Lord knows, neither of us would survive on our own. No, no, no I wouldn't. No, I'd probably have more of an opportunity to get you killed. But I, but you have do you on the way to the gallows. The bomb bread that we would eat. Right. We could have like all the freaking carbs we wanted, and nobody would say anything. Carbs nope. and cheese and wine? No, nope. but when we start talking about time travel, then we might get burned alive. So maybe we should keep That's that. That's why we don't talk about it while we're there. <laughs> you know, it'd be like Fight Club. You don't talk about Fight Club. You don't talk about time travel club, Michelle. Nope. That's actually our motto. It's yeah. it's written in in the the dedication. Rule number one of time travel. Do not talk about time travel. Is it really in there? No, no, it's not. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That should be, the first, that should be on the first page of your book. Rule number one about time travel. Don't talk about time travel. There we go. Oh. We got your book started. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could find their names. Yeah, you had sent that to me. It was, oh, um, Elizabeth Morrison and Francis Lamont. But they, when when it was all happening, then they they got on the train and they were like, "Did you see that? That was a little strange." And they started talking about it. So they decided, okay, we're not gonna talk about it in detail. We're gonna go home. We're each gonna write down what we think happened, and then we're gonna compare notes. And their stories were exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And then. One of the men that they both saw, um, they were tr they were researching after the fact, and they came across a portrait, and it was um, I forget his name, but it was one of Marie Antoinette's like best friend, best guy friends, basically, mm -hmm. and it was the exact same guy in the portrait that they saw allegedly in the garden. So very strange, and they didn't like try to talk to any of them. They said it was kind of like a 
like a living tableau, like, you know, like they do in Laguna Beach for the that festival, the Sawdust Festival, mm -hmm. when everyone like dresses up and does the tableaus and they stand really still. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's something, I don't know if I want like to be present day and find the time loop again, or I don't know. It could be, you have so many infinite possibilities with this. I know. So that's my future. Okay. And your turn. Okay. What do um, you want to do first? Well, let's go with future for me. Future. Can't be the same question, right? It can't, whatever you want. It can be the same question or it can be a different question. Whatever makes you happy. See, I thought about my questions beforehand. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. Um... Is it lame to do the same questions? My brain is a little foggy right now. No, I don't think it's lame. We'll do the same question for future and maybe I'll come up with other questions. Okay, if I could write about anybody that I'm not currently working on, who would it be? Um, Although this could be like an hour long answer in itself. Right, because I have a list, but I think the most pressing ones that I'm not working on actively would be the Mussolini women. Rachel Mussolini, who was Benito Mussolini's wife, and their daughter, whose name I'm forgetting. Um, the it would I would I think I want to do a book for both of them. Hmm. I know yeah. nothing about the Mussolini women. Well, with Rachel Mussolini, it's an interesting story. I find it intriguing because with Rachel, she um, you know she marries him when he's young, and he's idealistic. And he's a journalist. And then he goes on to be this dictator. And, you know, things just go south. He has another woman. Um, she kind of hates him. She won't live in the same house as him. Um, so it's a really complicated and complex relationship that I just really want to explore. I mean, what's it like to have, to watch your husband be turned into a monster, basically. And you're being, and she's put forward in front of everybody as being the perfect um, picturesque example of what a, a modern family, a, um, a fascist family should look like. No question. Yeah. And then his daughter, I when I was researching Rachel, his daughter, um, she she hates her father absolutely hates her father uh and there's a notebook that's out that's like one of this famous notebook a spy notebook um her husband was a double agent during world war ii and her father had her husband executed and she and she went out uh, in public and said if the allied forces don't kill my father so help me god i'll do it Wow. So I'm just really fascinated by their story and their history, and I really want to tell it. That's pretty intense. Right? Because I write comedies. <laughs> they're all lighthearted, really. They totally are, yeah. And in the middle of, I think in the middle of one of the books, they're all going to come out and sing Springtime for Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I think that has to happen, actually. I at think least it one does. Of yeah, whole full out, full out, you know, centerfold with like these girls doing the, you know, Rockette style dancing. You can make like a pop out section. Yeah, yeah, straight from the producers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have the, you know, the producers on either side and their version of the middle. Yeah, 
I mean, if you need some choreography, I'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll consult you on that. Thank you. <laughs> mm. Okay, so my present. Present. Um, present, present, present. Well, okay, it's kind of future-ish, but not really. Okay. But... Film on me, guys. I'm pulling them all on. <laughs> Go I might have to blow my nose soon. Just giving you guys a warning. Um, <laughs> just press mute. I will. <laughs> I'm gonna like duck out and blow my nose and then. Go smoke your crack. Um, I don't. I can't think. Same. Same question. Sorry. I really can't think. What was my present? What was the present that I asked you? Okay. You you can go ahead and ask me the question. What book are, what was the question? What book are you currently <laughs> or have you read recently that you were really impressed by? Besides our book of the month, because I'm besides just torturing you on my um, Besides the last season of Love and Snow, I am actually reading My Dear Hamilton. I got my hands, my grubby little hands on that book uh, this last week. And I can tell you guys, it's really freaking good. Um, I'm loving every bit of it. And it's it's a kind of depiction of Eliza Hamilton that I, um, I think she needed that she hasn't been represented with before. I really want to read that book. Oh, it's good. You're going to like it. You're going to really like it. And like I was telling a friend today that I actually got, a, I felt a little like angry with um, Lin-Manuel because I'm like, I feel like she could have been portrayed stronger in the musical based on how I'm reading her in the book. And she's, somebody wrote that, you know, she was just this, um, you know, fair, demure, gentle lady and that just kind of stuck for who she was in history and she's just i don't know i feel like she's and it, based on this book she's stronger than that well in i have the the hamilton biography that the musical was based on and that's kind of surprising to to hear that she's kind of, that she's portrayed that way in the musical because she's kind of a badass like she outlived him she lived for another 50 years mm -hmm. after hamilton died she threw herself into all of these causes and and spoke out for things that she felt he would have spoke out for well i feel like like the best uh, out of the modern interpretations of ham of hamilton i feel like up until my dear hamilton hers his was the best and it's not that she's not strong but i feel like with some of her he portrays a strength but they kind of they downplay her role in the rev during the revolution like in oh. my dear hamilton you know she's out there with the other women acting as a nurse um doing whatever she can to support the troops um whether it's mending their clothes or helping with an amputation and she's really struggling with the revolution along with them. And she's really truly a partner with Hamilton through all of it. And in the musical, she's just kind of like sit back at dad's house and, you know, goes to a ball. 
and that's about you know it, it she doesn't it doesn't feel like she really has as dangerous of a life and is as gun-ho in the struggle as hamilton is that's what oh, it feels yeah. like to me in the musical yeah and then in the musical she's like come home you know stop putting your life at risk that sort of thing and she's a lot more military wife i feel like military wives are going to be really able to um find a common thread with her mm -hmm. Yeah, find oh yeah that's that's definitely the image that i got that she was very like a you know the, the stay at home stay at home type mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and yeah her and and my dear hamilton she's not very much the stay at home type that's really and, cool and don't even get me started on alex and eliza because <laughs> she just throws all of that out the window and that's just i don't feel like being angry tonight i <laughs> <laughs> was not a fan you guys yeah, yeah, no, you could see that on my blog how much of a fan I was not. Yeah, I, I remember I, the texts during during that book. I hate bashing other people's work, but there's sometimes you come across a book that you find just so offensive to your senses that you're just like, nope, this book should just, nope, nope. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, which you know, trending mm -hmm. topics, tre trending themes. Hamilton is a trending theme right now. So there are a lot of authors who are capitalizing on that. Not saying that, you know, that there's not a bad no, thing. Cause I don't, yeah. it's, a, it's a good business move. Yeah. I mean, it's brilliant mm -hmm. to write about something that's huge right now, but the downfall is I feel like there's a lot of books that are out there that, aren't as good but mm -hmm. they're still getting out there because it's a trending topic mm -hmm. they're pushing it out and it's the quantity let me get this out and let me make some money off of it because the hamilton name's really hot right now versus let me take some time and let me do some research let me hold off and put out a good quality book mm -hmm. and i think with um my dear hamilton the Hamilton musical has been out for what, three years now? Two or three years. I feel like it's been longer than that. Well, I think mm -hmm. it's been hot and really trending across the country for about three years, I feel like. Like two two years minimum. So the book is coming out, My Dear Hamilton's coming out in 2018. And I know there's at least a couple other books that are gonna be coming out in the future um, that are going to be they're going to be well more well researched. I think the ones that are, that are later in this trend are going to be more quality. Oh, absolutely. Because they're taking the time to to really invest in the research and the the craft of it. And I think part of the craft of historical fiction is your ability to do research. Yes, I agree completely. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah, that's one of the the things that we talk about on here and it came up with the greatest showman recently yeah. did we talk about the greatest showman on here we did okay we did there was a, a soapbox series moment okay okay i don't remember but okay <laughs> i get on so many soapboxes guys i mean really so all right so that's, and, and that's what diana called it i'm not saying that diana got up on a soapbox she herself said it was a soapbox moment you know, I had that, you know, 
I'm the first to admit I have soapbox moments. It is a thing that is just part of my nature since I was a kid. And oh, uh, we're on past now. We're on past. On past. What book did you go into expecting it to suck terribly? And it blew your mind. And which classic do you think is extremely overrated? Oh my God, this is quite a question. Okay, which one did I expect to suck that blew my mind? Okay, I gotta take, okay guys, I'm gonna look behind me at my bookshelf to see. Um, you know, um, Gosh, okay, I'm going to have to come back to the second one because I'm starting to think of one that I didn't expect to like that I ended up loving. You know what? I've got the answer now, actually. I take it back. Lemon Lemoncholy Life of Annie Astor. I knew you were going to say that one. <laughs> you know, I I picked it up on a limb on NetGalley, and I think Scott, if he's listening, is probably going to be like, what? Oh, my God. Um yeah, it was just on a whim on that galley. It looked like this really weird title. And I was like, eh, I'm probably not going to like this, but I'll give it a shot. And I fell in love with it, as you guys all know. Um, since we've had Scott on, what, twice now? Three times? I think three times. Yeah, yeah. We have him on sometimes just because we miss him. Um, so I think that one classifies as that. Now, a classic that I think that is overrated. That might be a controversial question, but I'm curious. Um, the Life of Pi. Really? <laughs> I know. Okay, guys, don't send me hate mail over this, okay? Please. Um, I hated the book. The book was just, just so dry and so just hard to get through and... The story, like, I love the movie. I watched the movie, and I really enjoyed the movie. And it's not a really, like, cheery, happy movie, obviously. His whole family dies. Spoiler alert. Um, but the story is just such a compelling story in and of itself. And it made for a really great movie. But the book just, oh, my God. I just, <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't. I, I couldn't with that book. I've never, I've never read it. Someone gave it to me. As a, as a gift once they they brought it they brought it into me and said this was my favorite book so I I want you to read it poor person and <laughs> and I, I never did it been I think I might actually still have it <clears throat> well you're still doing your classic series aren't you I am I'm reading well I, I forgot to bring it with me so I'm not reading it right now but I think. I'm reading uh, This Can't Happen Here, or This Couldn't Happen Here by Lewis Sinclair. I, Lewis Sinclair, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I started reading that as my January book, and then it was way too intense and way too heavy, and he needed something lighter. So I read A Wrinkle in Time, and then February kind of like got away from me. So I, in March, I picked up um, This Can't Happen Here, which is still intense and heavy, and depressing because it's so present and so current mm. and like it's like looking into a crystal ball and being like oh my god this is what's happening <laughs> um but it's a very good book and it, it's just scary how this was written you know almost 100 years ago almost yeah. and it's so relevant 
Mm. I have to blow my nose again, guys. Are you going to be doing more uh, blog posts? I want to. When I finish reading it, I have to. I still have to do the Ring Girl Time one. I got a little. I get sidetracked sometimes. But sometimes. Hold on. <laughs> okay. So that is the past, present, and future game, and we. I think we're going to make that a regular part of Wine, Women, and Words uh, from this point on. I think uh, next week when we have Jennifer on, and she will be on the show, I think we're going to have to ask Jennifer those questions. Oh my God, is it really next week already? It is. We need to get reading because we're not mm -hmm. going to have the book. Yeah, we really do. I, I was reading today too myself. I was too. I was reading earlier. We finished uh, Big Little Lies. We were mm -hmm. binging that series. And then I was like, okay, time to read some more. That reminds me. we got articles we got to do on uh, that. That's right. We're such wonderful writers. We're like, oh, yeah, we promised these deadlines. We have yet to do them. Um, Maybe they don't realize that we're late. Oh, no, I sent him an email on it because I was like, I'm really not ignoring you because I don't want I don't want them to think that I am some stuck up bitch who's like, oh, yeah, I'm just too good. Because um, I, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to follow through and I'm going to do it. Um, the problem is, you know, I'm busy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> this week I've recorded three podcasts in a row. Um, busy, busy lady. Yeah, I did the one on, we had the one on Tuesday. I was on Guitar Goddess yesterday, and then of course one Women Awards again on uh Thursday. So it's like this wonderful wine women awards sandwich. Guitar <laughs> goddess in the middle. It's so wonderful. Well, one thing we haven't done in a while is fantasy casting. Yes, we need to do that because we Michelle brought it up and I was like, oh, my God, we haven't done that. So I want to know who you're thinking about for Natalia. Well, I, I'm going to sidestep that for a second because a um, little background story. So my mom is, I mentioned this before, my mom is hardcore into these Turkish dramas on Netflix right now. And... She just watched one. I actually don't know if I ever mentioned this on air. I know I told you about it after we ended an episode. But she watched one that was 93 episodes long. I, is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix. Okay, I think she might need to send it to me because I think I might need to get it in a high Lilo. And it's For like... those of you who are listening, my dog is very intent on my face right now. Um, and I don't know why. Um... It's called, oh shoot, I started Googling Hamilton. Um, <laughs> I forget what it's called, but it's like a murder mystery and it's very dramatic and an innocent man was framed for murder. But um, 93 episodes long, okay, subtitled. Mm -hmm. And I got sucked into it for like the last maybe like 10 episodes. And then we got to the ending and we're both like, what? Hmm. <laughs> like, that's how it ends. But. This guy is beautiful, number one. But he is, and I have no idea what Tolstoy looks like. Okay, I don't. I've meant to Google him. Crap, I knew Landon was gonna wake up. Um, but so that the main character in this Turkish drama, and I'm going to butcher his name like you would not believe because it's a very complicated Turkish name. It's Kenan 
a lot of syllable, a lot of consonants together. But his first name is Kenan. Mm -hmm. um, and this is kind of like what I picture. Wait, come back. What I picture Tolstoy looking like. Hold on. Well, maybe not that one. Uh, well, not dressed like this, but like that's what I how I picture Tolstoy. Almost the younger Tolstoy, the young Tolstoy. You need to Google Tolstoy. I know. I googled Alex, uh, um, Alexander Pushkin, and there's actually another guy from this Turkish drama that looks like Alexander Pushkin. But I was like, maybe I need to branch off. Yeah, but you know that is a good point because it's you know you got some of that southern Russian that kind of blends into some of that Middle Eastern mm -hmm. um, blood and, and culture. Um, so, yeah, you need to totally Google Leo Tolstoy because I mean, yes, that young one he could pass off for the young Leo Tolstoy, but um, yeah, the the older Leo Tolstoy, I mean. Probably not so much. Older, <laughs> but I mean, we're we're casting young though because they are still young men at this point. Um, and you know, for Alexander Pushkin, the only one I could think of was Benedict Cumberpatch. Really, that's an interesting one. I was one. thinking of him. Yeah. yeah I, I can't figure out who. I, and I thought of someone, and I saw an actor with like the black curls, and and he just left my head, but. Yeah, because I mean, and it's something that I've got to think about because I mean, he looks like there, there. He's got a familiar face, uh, Pushkin does, that he could, um, he could look like I could place him somebody as him. Um, I almost want to say like John Krasinski, almost too. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I you know I think I like that, but John Krasinski, he's too kind of goofy. He's played the comedic too much, so I don't know if he would actually fit for like a brooding. Oh, oh wait, I think I found Tolst um Pushkin. Uh, Miguel Hoosman. He's a Dutch actor, musician, and singer-songwriter who has acted in both Dutch and English television shows. Because I was actually looking up my Natalia, and I found he would fit for Alexander. Okay, guys, it's him. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, totally Alexander. Miguel, he's going to be in the Guernsey Literary Potato Peel and Pie Society movie. <laughs> I am, you guys, I am so looking forward to that movie. Uh, that's one of my favorite books. So you need to pick up that book before we you go see that movie because it's a wonderful movie. And, you know, one of the things about, about that book that's almost a little scary for me is the author of that book, it was like a dream of hers to like, I don't know if it was necessarily a dream of hers to write a novel, but she finally wrote her novel. She wrote it, it got published, and she died shortly thereafter. So all the success of this book, just, that's it. She's She doesn't get to enjoy any of this, and it's such a beautiful book. That's heartbreaking. Isn't it? Isn't it? Okay, so my pick for Natalia, or, am I saying Natalia? Yeah, Natalia is Lily James. Ooh. Right? Different. Um, I like Lily it. Lily James, for those of you who don't know, this is her picture. She was in Downton Abbey. She was also um, in the Disney version of Cinderella. That's right. Yep. 
So she's got those dainty features. I think she would look adorable in a pair of glasses. And she would be able to pull off the most beautiful woman in all of Moscow. And she has played a Russia before. She was in the Lifetime miniseries event of War and Peace. Oh, so she's she's good. She's good. Have you seen that yet, by the way? I have not. You need to find that and look it up and watch that for a miniseries. You and your mom would love it. It was well, really good. We do need a new series now. We found another Turkish series that my mom started watching tonight. <laughs> I uh, find it kind of funny that you and your mother are watching these Turkish series. It's so random and it's so weird, but they're so good. And there's another one called Kurt and what's the other name? Kurt, Saya, and Shura, which is another like 120 episode series. But it's like she, she likes it there on her on her Kindle watching it and I'll like kind of like peek over and she goes, that one right there, that guy, he's awful. I hate him. <laughs> I love mom. <laughs> so she keeps, she, oh, you know, she was trying to find a new Turkish series tonight. And I said, well, you can always watch the Kurt one again. She goes, I've already watched that one twice. <laughs> okay. I've been stuck in uh pole dark. That's been my series lately. Well, I've I oh, wanted you know, to he watch. Might make a, no, no, I think I like Mikhail. I was going to say, he might make a good Alexander, too, but I think Mikhail is a better Alexander. One series that I've been meaning to get into, I know we're getting a little off topic, but mm -hmm. is Black, Black Mirror. Black Mirror? Yeah, that's good. I need to get back into it. Um, I think it'll freak you out. I've seen, like, the first episode, and it's not a continuous thing, right? It's like each episode is a standalone Mm -hmm. Story. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So, not to diverge into Black Mirror, what are your thoughts so far on Lost Season of, of Love and Snow? I'm in love with it. I love, I, I love the sibling dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, even though What's Her Face drives me crazy, Ekaterina. Right? Don't you want to smack her upside the head with like a paddleboard? Like, this bitch. I know I, I get that you're jealous. I understand that you want to marry and find a husband, but you don't need to throw Natalia under the bus every single chance you get. I mean, I think she's just jealous of everything that Natalia has. Natalia is a smart one. Natalia is a beautiful one. And what's that, Katarina? The dumb one? The jealous one. Well, obviously. I mean... Crying out loud, I don't know. I might be if I mean if Natalia was my sister, I might be jealous of her too. But I would be more likely to want to ride her her uh, skirt tails instead of shirt tails. Skirt right? Tails. Like I mean, take yeah. advantage. Exactly. Be her wing girl, and if she marries well, there is more of an opportunity for me to be able to marry well. You use your family. Like network. Like an Italian. Network like crazy. So yeah, she doesn't she doesn't want to be married to a poet anyway, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, she thinks Alexander is a traitor to their country. Like num you know, number three, she thinks that he associates with rebels and like she doesn't want that life. She just doesn't want Natalia to get a better life than she has. But and Natalia is friendly with the Tsar, and Natalia is also um, you know, her husband is in favor with the czar. So you use those connections to get yourself a good match, if not better. 
right? Like, you hey, um, for dinner, you'd be like, hey, you know, let's have a nice dinner. Let me meet some of his friends. Right? Who's single? Who's available? Right? I'm, I'm sure he has a decent friend who is a wealthy merchant. Because, um, I mean, you go with the merchants, ladies. <laughs> when you're in the 19th century, you go with the merchants. Because the merchants aren't the ones who are going to get their heads on the chopping block. The politicians are going to get their heads on the chopping block. And the poets and the writers are going to get their heads on the chopping block. But your merchants are going to be safe, ladies. You go with the merchant. Right, which was basically her mother's working theory. Mm-hmm. This is why I like her mother. And Natalia feels like it's... It feels like in Natalia's narration that she's overly stern about her mother All right. yeah. she, she says that her mother is stern but I feel like her mother is trying to do what's best for her so that she doesn't end up with a drunkard father and a drunkard yeah. man like her father is who's basically like drooling at the table and making a fool of her and the family so you know her mom's trying to do what's best for her and she's being strict and I mean I don't blame her for having reservations for um you know, Alexander, because if he is associated with the rebels, what kind of life is that going to give your daughter? Regardless of whether or not she loves him, you know, in this time period, your destiny is tied in with your husband. Seriously. And then I was reading there, um, a kind of the beginning after she meets him and um, when he comes to visit them at breakfast, which I loved that entire scene. Um but she mentioned, you know, all these people getting banished. And you, you think, at least I think, whenever, you know, today you hear about banishment, it's like, okay, so you go somewhere else. And, like, you, you can't go home, but it's better than being killed. Right? <laughs> but then she mentions, like, being banished to Siberia. And at first I was like, well, okay, it probably sucks a little bit there. A but little it's, bit. Uh, so I didn't realize that it was a work camp. It was a labor camp that they got mm -hmm. sent to. And these poor wives, they they didn't do anything. Their husbands did something, and they get banished along with them. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And it, to an extent, you, we still have that today where, you know, you're who you marry, you're attached to them, you're for better or for worse, destiny-wise still. But at the same time, it's not as severe as it was then. If my husband goes to jail tomorrow, I'm not going necessarily going with him unless I committed the crime with him. Um, but if I'm actually, if I didn't do anything like these women, and my husband's the one who's doing this stuff, I'm not going to be going to jail. My life might suck for a while, but I'm not going to be going to jail with him. And you won't be ruined. Like, these women were ruined because of yeah. their husbands. Yeah, so, I mean, her mother has a point of being really careful about being, who you know, knocking up, who her daughter's going to get knocked up by or who, who she's going to marry. And she's actually pretty modern. I feel like she's, she's very practical, mm -hmm. whereas other mothers in that same situation might think, oh, my gosh, Alexander Pushkin likes you, like, and immediately think of, like, the kind of life that, sh that you know, like the – the rosy life of being the wife of a poet, especially one of Alexander's caliber. Mm -hmm. So I think she's pretty modern and pretty practical. And it's like, 
no, you want. Was it the um? What's the saying about necessity? Like the lack of um. The want is like the um breeds necessity or something like that. Or I don't know. I can look it up. Yeah. Um. Some I can't think of it, and I'm trying to be all smart here, but I've had two glasses of wine, so that shit's not happening. Um. By the way, it's Pinot Grigio, guys. Anyways, so, I mean, given her situation, I mean, she doesn't have the luxury of being rosy. She doesn't have the luxury of having a rosy outlook. I'm sure when she married her husband, she had a rosy outlook because he was this wonderful violinist and she was marrying this wonderful musician. And it turns out he was a freaking drug addict. Because I, I swear, and it's not just alcohol that her father's drinking. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if her dad's on. It feels like he's got an opium addiction, too. Oh, I'm sure. Especially yeah. especially opium. I'm sure he is at the opium, opium dens. Mm -hmm. Passed out on one of those cots. Is it abundance like want ruins many? Is that what you're looking for? No, no. Something that breeds necessity. It's okay. Um, I got my point across. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he, he like wanders off for like days at a time. He's in, passed out an opium den. And she doesn't want that for her daughter. So she's she's got to do what's necessary to make her daughter, make sure her daughter, daughter doesn't have the life that she has. Which, by the way, we have not casted her Aunt Katya, which I love. I, I love Aunt Katya. I don't know who we, who would you cast for Aunt Katya? Huh? Like someone middle middle age, not middle age, but like maybe late thirties ish. Mm -hmm. Well, I was thinking um, for Aunt Katya. Now she's been in comedic roles, but this wouldn't be quite as a comedic role for her. Um, let me see here. Jennifer Coolidge, who is best known as Stifler's mom. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you could see her as this, uh, courtier, but I would love to see her cause she always ends up playing these bimbo characters in so many mm -hmm. ways. Like, you know, um, Austin land, that movie, which I absolutely love. You've seen that one, right? Yeah. You know, she plays this really bimbo character. But I would love to see her in this period piece, but not playing a bimbo character. Because I could see her using her her assets to her advantage and her beauty to her advantage. And she's, I picture the Anne as being older and she's a courtier. And I, I mean, even her. playing the bimbo, but to her advantage. Yeah. Somebody, because, yeah. I mean, because that's kind of like what a lot of men in that period wanted. They wanted someone who would laugh at all their jokes mm -hmm. and like fawn all over them. So I feel like yeah, she I could think. play that, but be really sad, like do it intentionally, not mm -hmm. just because that's who she is. She would do it shrewdly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then for the mother, let me get her name. Um, you should be familiar with her in Orange is the New Black. Uh, she plays red and orange and is in the black. Oh my gosh. Right? And red is Russian and it's perfect. Right? And she was in Star Trek um, pre um, quite a while ago. Uh, let me see here. I'm pulling up the 
um, IMDb page. So I have to find her, and she's like way all the way, way the hell down here. Where the hell is she? Um. Okay, Kate Mulgrew. And I'm, I'm sure there are people listening who's probably screaming her name because I should have known her name. Kate <laughs> Mulgrew is her name. Um, she would play the mother. She could play the mother really well. I think so. Especially yeah. because for all the reasons that we just said about the mother. Mm-hmm. Let me see here if I can. I'll pull up a picture for those of you who aren't familiar with her. Um, this is her all dolled up. Oh my gosh, she's so pretty. I only know her as Red from Orange is the New Black. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even in the, um, with the red hair and everything, um, still dolled up, um, and. Oh yeah, she could totally be the mother. Right, right, they could totally pull off the mother. I mean, she, obviously she doesn't necessarily have to have the red hair, but I mean, she's, she can totally play the mother. And yeah, I think. I think she would be great. Well, guys. Yeah, I don't think you're going to last much longer. We're right up to our hour. So uh, go ahead and keep reading Lost Season of Love and Snow. Have it read by the time Jennifer comes on because we will be, this is going to be full of spoilers when we come on. We're going to be talking about the whole thing, which I mean, I'm sure you can Google, but um you know you want to be sure to have read the book and guys you gotta sign up for our newsletter um which if you go to our facebook page if you follow us on twitter you will see that we have a landing strip um page for our newsletter go there sign up for it uh get on the wine women awards newsletter because we've got fun stuff planned stuff um that we're not going to offer to everybody. All of the listeners, there's stuff that we're going to be offering only to our newsletter people. Um, so it's a long, complicated um, email or link. So go there. As of right now, if you sign up, you're going to be entered in to win a copy of the book that we mentioned on Tuesday, which is Women in the Literary Landscape. So you guys go ahead get and sign up on that. And our raffle copter giveaway is still going on. We have that going on until the next Thursday. Um, and that one is um, for a copy, your very own copy of Lost Season of Love and Snow. Yay. So go there, sign up, get a copy. Do it all. Do it all. We are givers. We want to give you stuff. So sign up for this so that we can give you things. So do it. Do it now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hi, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.